All right, well, we have been talking about relationships this last month, and we've spent the last several weeks talking about pillars that help anchor us in healthy relationships. We talked about the fact that we're all in process, we're all growing, we all need healthy change. And so for, for those of us who haven't met Christ, man, we just need Jesus' redemption power to come into our lives. But even for those of us in the church, in the body of Christ who've said yes to him, how many of you know we, st we still have a ways to go? Uh, we're being sanctified as the scripture talks about that. We're being renewed. And so listen, community is wonderful. When we talk about being in relationship in church me, it sounds wonderful, right? Being a part of a group of people that love each other, that's great. But guess what? Because we're all still in process, that's difficult. It's challenging. But God, God actually tells us that's good for us. It's good for us to be connected with other imperfect people because we are growing together. And so it's an opportunity to continue to extend grace and love to one another and to grow together in Christ. We're not called to be a perfect community, but we are called to be a healthy community. And so the other thing that the scripture talks about, not only do we have the challenge of the fact that we're all in process being renewed, but we also have the challenge of being different. There's diversity. And so because there's diversity in the body, that makes things challenging. It's not just sin that makes things difficult. Different personality types, different backgrounds, different races and ethnicities, all of those things can make things challenging. But God did that on purpose. And we're, we are actually called to benefit from our diversity and it's something to celebrate. And I just, I got news for you. That doesn't change in heaven. The picture we see in heaven is of every tribe, nation, language gathered in unity. And that's a beautiful thing. And so the fact that we're in process, the fact that we're diverse can make things challenging, but it also is meant to make things wonderful because that can only work with God's help. That's it. Relying upon him and his presence enables us to be in healthy relationships. And then, so then from there, we unpacked several things. So this morning, we're kind of building off of the idea of relationships and we're talking very specifically about our church community here. And so I wanna pray one more time and just prepare us for this. And then we're gonna walk through water baptism together, what that means and looks like. We're gonna talk a little bit about kids and kind of what we're doing to, to disciple our kids here at the church. And then we're gonna talk about living in community, why, why we focus on life groups and, and Bible studies of that nature. And so that's where we're heading this morning. So Jesus, one more time, we just invite you to come and be our guide. God, we wanna represent you well. We wanna represent your heart for all people and your heart for your church, your bride. Lord, we, we are imperfect people learning as we go. But God, we thank you for your word that anchors us, that gives us the resource and teaches us everything we need to live the life you're calling us to. And Lord, we're also grateful for your presence because God, we could have all the right instructions, but without your spirit, without your grace enabling us, we're lost. And so God, as we dive into some of this stuff today, Lord, would you, would you teach us things we don't know? Would you remind us of things we've learned in the past? And above all, God, would you empower us to be the individual people you're calling us to be, but empower us to be your church, like capital C church in the world and in Knoxville. And, and Lord, whatever you're calling this specific body of Grace Chapel to be, would you empower us to do that? We love you and we just wanna honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so we're gonna start by talking about water baptism. 
And just really simply, I want to talk about what it is and what it isn't, okay? So first of all, water baptism, what it isn't. It is not water baptism that saves you, okay? That act of water baptism does not save you. The scripture makes it very clear um, what salvation is. We have a picture of this in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, where Paul writes and he says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Listen, salvation is simply this. What salvation does when we've made that commitment in our heart, it produces an assurance of eternity with God and it enables us to live a new life of grace now. That's what it does. And so it's a moment of acceptance. Like there's a moment in time where I make a personal decision to say, my life is committed to Christ. I make that decision in my heart of hearts. I confess it out loud publicly. I make it known. I belong to Jesus. So it's a, it's a decision that's made. And then I'm committed to a lifetime of following him. And so we live by faith, believing in Jesus as savior and walking with him as Lord. It's important we talk about both of those things. Often when we present the gospel, we highlight Jesus as our savior and we forget that a part of the package is he's in charge now. He's in charge now. This isn't just a get out of hell free card. Okay, I'm being forgiven of my sins. I'm being redeemed. But I'm, I'm saying ultimately, Jesus, I'm gonna stop trying to be king in my life. I'm gonna let you have that place now. And so I give him that place of lordship. And this isn't about earning. When we talk, and anytime we're talking about obeying Jesus, following him, him being our Lord, it's not about earning salvation. He's dealt with that. We have freely received it. Now we're just walking with him as our guide, as our leader. And so it's about enjoying him and the life he has for us. So water baptism is important, but the act of water baptism isn't what saves you. It's a commitment to Christ. It's a public declaration of following him. Now, what is water baptism? Because it is important. The scripture talks about it. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. We get a great picture of what this represents. Again, in Romans, this is chapter six, verse four. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's a picture. The idea of being submersed in water is the picture of like going into the grave. I realize that might feel a little morbid for a Sunday morning, but that's the picture. Jesus died for me. And so I am, I am aligning my life with him and I'm publicly saying I'm dying to my old way of living and I'm raised into a new way of living with Jesus as my king. And so it's a picture of his death and resurrection. And it's a picture of our death, our old man and the new life we have in Jesus. And so Jesus saves me from that old way of life and he saves me into a new way of life. So why do we get baptized? If it's not what saves us, why do we do it? We do it as an act of obedience and we do it as a public declaration or testimony obedience and declaration. So first of all, Jesus did it. He was baptized. Then as we read through the book of Acts, we see his followers were baptized and baptized others. And ultimately they were told, carry this forward 
out into the world. And so in, in the midst of the Great Commission, Jesus references baptism. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus says, you guys all do this. Get baptized and then live a new life with me and I'm with you the whole time. That's his commitment to us. And so it's an act of obedience And I also mentioned it's an act of declaration or a new identity. Like, listen, one of the things I love is meeting a believer that, you know, maybe I'm traveling and I meet them while I'm out of town on vacation or somebody new moves to town in Knoxville or I've had the opportunity to be overseas at times. And it's incredible meeting another believer and knowing even though we're meeting for the very first time, we're connected. We're a part of a larger family. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. For just as the, one, as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. I'm not just identifying with Christ, I'm identifying with the church. We are in community together. And so here's how we practice this as a church community. We, we practiced full immersion water baptism. And as many of us can, as can gather, we gather together as a church. We celebrate, we, we cheer, we pray together as, as lives are committed to Jesus publicly in water baptism. Um, we do not practice infant baptism. Why don't we practice that? Well, it's not in the Bible. That's, that's my simple answer. It's not in the Bible. We believe that salvation is about a conscious decision that I have made. And therefore, water baptism is a conscious decision I've made to say publicly, I follow Jesus. Now, there is a lot of good reasons to commit our kids to the Lord. There's a lot of good reasons to commit our kids to the Lord. And so there are a couple of things that we do with with babies or young children who might not be at an age yet where they're ready to get water baptized. One of those things is we do what we call baby dedications or child dedications. Um, Parents brought their kids to Jesus in the scripture just to have him pray a blessing over them, lay their hands on their kids. And so we do that. Now, us praying over a young baby, young child doesn't mean they're saved. It is, is the parent's commitment and the church's commitment to dedicate them to the Lord. Really, a lot of what we're doing is praying for the parents. God, would you give mom and dad the tools they need to disciple their young child well. God, we commit this child into your hands into the future. But also as a church, when we do that, we're committing to something too. We're committing to be a godly example to that child. We're committing as a church community to point them in the right direction the way we're living as well, to be supportive to their parents and all of us to not perfectly, but lovingly follow Jesus and point them towards him. And so we practice that. Um, one, some of the questions that come up related to like infant baptism is like, well, then what's the condition of small children's souls? I, I think it's pretty clear that prior to an age of, of being able to make a decision, like they're covered, they're good, they're going to heaven. Um, there is no magical age. Every kid is at a different phase of life, develops differently. Um, and so parents, when it comes to the decision of your kids getting saved or deciding if it's time for them to be water baptized, like, We're happy to help you talk through that a little bit. 
But you know your kids, and so if, if they understand the commitment that they've made and they're ready and, and you believe that, we support that. Um, and so coming up two weeks from today, we're doing a special service. Um, we're not gonna be here. We're gonna meet at a local park, um, the Cove at Concord Park, kind of down North Shore. We're gonna do an outdoor worship service at 10, followed by a church picnic. We're grilling out. We're having a bunch of food together. And then we're gonna do water baptisms in the Tennessee River. So we've already got a few people signed up for that. It is not too late. If you would like to be baptized, if your child would like, like to be baptized, let us know. You can talk to me this morning, but you can sign up on our website. You can follow the link in the email, the weekly email we send out as well. Um, we can't wait to celebrate that together. But listen, we don't have to wait for our special event we do every so often. I've, I've baptized in bathtubs, swimming pools. Um, I've met people after church on colder days in early spring and done baptisms in the river. Like if you're ready, man, we'll do it. So there's a little bit about water baptism. Did, any questions about that? Did that make sense? Were y'all tracking with me okay? All right. We good to continue on? Great. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk to you about as we're talking about kids and baptism, I just wanna talk to you briefly about our kids ministry, give you a little update on where we're at. First of all, I just wanna acknowledge Andrew and Dira. They have been running our kids ministry now for a while and they've just done an incredible job just continuing to elevate that ministry, equip our volunteers. Can y'all just stand up for me? I'm not gonna make you give a speech or anything, but. Thank you guys for what you faithfully do. Thank you. Y'all can sit back down. Thank you guys. So I just wanna give you a little update. So as, as a young church that's growing, obviously we're currently meeting in a temporary space. Um, we're constantly adjusting. And uh, one of the things I've joked about over the years, I, I, I've stolen this from my pastor and I think he stole it from his pastor, but it's the beatitude nobody knows. And it's blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. Um, I'm pretty sure that was in there somewhere and just Matthew forgot to record it. Um, Listen, we're just, we're constantly growing and changing. And so we wanna do the best that we can do to create a loving and safe environment where we're not babysitting kids. We're teaching our kids how to know and follow Jesus. And so that's the environment. And so listen, there are people who have a special heart that feel called to that ministry. And man, we need you if you have a heart for that. And, and we try to create spots where like, different people are kind of teaching and leading in that class. We give you the resources that you need, but we also need like everybody. <laughs> we need the people willing to be support volunteers that come alongside the teacher and say, hey, I'm gonna be in there to help with the kids. And so there's some things we're currently doing to continue to grow it. And there's things that are coming soon as we're, as we're staffing it well. So a couple of things. Um, number one, we've had a lot of young families in our church. I think that's obvious if we just look around the room a bit. Um, we have young families in our church. And so we've had plenty of babies and toddlers and elementary age kids, but we've been preparing to grow a youth group as we grow. And so these fourth through sixth grade game nights that we've been doing this last year are helping us build towards having a youth group. And so as those fourth graders have moved up, as some people are coming into the church, like we, we have like a middle school age group of kids now. And so kind of the first change is that on Sundays, our fifth through eighth graders have been gathering in here for worship and then they get dismissed to a class and they go to a class for that age group and then we're doing monthly gatherings. We will continue to grow that into a youth group where eventually we have both middle school and high school. And so we're working on that. 
The second thing that we're gonna start doing at when the school year kicks off is, you know, we've got a lot of eager elementary age students who've been watching those fun game nights that the, the older kids are having. And so for our third and fourth graders, we're gonna start launching quarterly activities and we'll do some fun outings. When it's cold, maybe we'll go bowling or something. And when it's warm, we'll go swim, but we're gonna start doing some quarterly activities for our third and fourth graders. And then our, our plan is to have them have their own class soon. We're moving towards that. This fall, we have a new rotation schedule coming up and we're really close to staffing that where we can create a third and fourth class. And so just to paint the picture, um, ultimately our plan would be to have like kindergarten first and second in one class on Sunday morning, third, fourth, and then eventually fifth in another class and then middle school and high school. So that's where we're heading. We're on our way there. Um, and then we're continuing to grow. You know, you people keep having babies and stuff. So, um, so we're continuing to grow there. And so we've had our babies and toddlers in the same room. And then we've just divided that room. And we're at the point where we need to expand that to two separate rooms. And so anyway, these are all just awesome things that Andrew and Deer work really hard on to organize. And, you know, I would say because we're a small church, we need all hands on deck. But listen, that's just the role of the church, no matter the size. Like we have got to get out of the mentality that we can develop in our culture where there's so many other things in our American culture that are just kind of very consumer oriented. Like the church is not a shopping experience. The church is not a part of the service industry. It's a community of people who are in relationship, mutually loving and serving one another. That's church, that's church. My, my old pastor used to use the analogy of like, it's not a cruise ship, it's a working vessel. It's a working vessel, it's all hands on deck. And the beauty is when the body of Christ, we all kind of lean in and do our part. Man, we share that load and there's plenty of time for everybody to be in the service, be poured into, have opportunities to worship, but we're also able to meet all the needs of the body. Um, and so at the very end, I'll talk a little bit about how you can kind of on-ramp into serving. Um, but listen, that's, that's what we're all called to. Um, Okay, now let me talk a little bit about living in community. We, we focus a lot. We have our Sunday morning gathering and then we do life groups during the week. And we just believe they are essential. You know, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Y'all know that fa famous passage? He's asked the greatest commandment and he answers the question, but he also changes the question. He doesn't just say, this is the greatest commandment. He says, all of the commandments hang upon this commandment. It's what the whole thing is about. And so let's just read this again. This is in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus gets asked this question. Here's his response. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. He connects them together. And he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. God intended us to live in active relationship with one another. And so there's a beautiful picture of this in Hebrews. I wanna take you through just two or three verses this morning that give us a real kind of anchor point for how as a church community, we walk out loving relationships with each other. So this is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. I wanna highlight some different words and phrases as we go through this. So the writer of Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That's an essential element of community. Holding fast 
to the word of God, to our confession of faith. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another in love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Guys, the the church has got to get this right. So much of what's said right here is lacking. And I don't just mean in our body. I just mean across the board in the church community, it's lacking. Holding fast, like notice the words of action here. Hold fast. Imagine, consider like your, your marriage vows. This is to have and to hold. Like I'm in and I'm committed for the long haul. Guys, we live in a day and age where it is, it is difficult now, but it's only gonna get more difficult in the culture we're living in to hold fast to what the word of God says, to live our lives anchored on the word of God, to walk that out in a real way. Like we need each other to link arms and say, let's hang in there. Far too often, the church is mutually encouraging each other for ways that we can stop holding fast, that we can compromise or let certain things go. But also the beauty of gathering a relationship, it's not just about standing in truth, it's about walking it out in love. It's both things. It's not just believing the right stuff, it's living it out in a godly way that shines a light for a dark world that needs to see it. And so we need each other to help hold each other to like hanging in there. We need sound biblical teaching, but we also need to wrestle this stuff through. Like when we gather in life group, it's not just about learning information, it's what do I do with this? If this is what the scripture says, how do I live that out? How does it affect my marriage, my relationship with my neighbors? How do I live in this culture? How do I, how do I walk out uncompromising truth and, and live in a loving way that represents Christ to a world in need? And so we hold fast. And then from there, we stir each other up. That idea of stirring up, it's, it's, it's motion, it's direction, it's moving towards. That's all built into that, that word there, stirring up. We kind of keep each other walking the walk being who God's called us to be. And then finally, it seems obvious, but he says, don't neglect meeting together. Instead, encourage one another, like stick it out. I love this quote by Dr. Tony Evans. You know, he, he was responding to the importance of living in community and being anchored in a church family. And so he said, I hear people say that I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone. However, you don't have to go home to be married, but if you stay away long enough, your relationship will be affected. I love that. That's just real talk. Like I can be a Christian, but Jesus didn't design us for just to be out there living on our own. He called us into community. He meant for us to be connected to each other. So listen, I know there's some new faces this morning and like this, like this isn't about like, if you're visiting here this morning, you know, God's gonna lead you to where you need to be. But for all of us, whether this is home or it's a place you're considering making home or it's a place you're counting down till lunch and then you're out of here never coming back, wherever you might stand, you need to be in church community somewhere. And we need to be connected and engaged. We can't neglect meeting together. We can't let that drift. I get that there's vacations and things happen, but like ultimately, we're called to be consistently gathering, pouring into each other's lives and encouraging each other. Like we're not meant to be solitary. We're meant to be connected in community. 
That word encouragement, it means to aid, to help, to comfort, to exhort. Man, I need that. I'm grateful for the relationships I have that, that do that in my life. And I wanna be that for others. We need one another. And then he wraps it up just by saying, all the more as we see the day approaching. He says that because scripture makes it clear that the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more that the church is gonna dwindle and wane. It's gonna compromise. We're gonna lose heart. I don't wanna lose heart. I wanna follow Christ. I want him to have my life now and I wanna be just as vibrant in my relationship with him when I'm 80. I don't wanna lose heart. And so we hang in there and we stick with it. Listen, I don't wanna sugarcoat it. Like relationships are beautiful, they're wonderful. I've been richly blessed by relationships in church community. <clears throat> I've equally been hurt in relationships in church community. I've experienced hurt at the hands of leaders in my life. I've experienced hurt in just relationships with people. And guess what? I'm certain that I've done my share of hurting others. But God calls us to be committed to one another and as much as depends on us to live at peace. Listen, whatever you've walked through or experienced in church relationships, we need each other. When I'm blowing it, there's an opportunity for God's grace to show up. I need to humble myself. People need to be able to speak into my life and go, hey, Jake, you're missing it here. Not just to call me out, but to call me back in, to invite me to healthy needed change. And when I've been hurt, I have an opportunity to walk out the gospel. The gospel is about repentance and forgiveness. It's simple and it's difficult. But see, part of how I learned to rely upon God's grace in my life is when I've been hurt and I go, wow, Jesus, you forgave freely. You looked at the people crucifying you and you said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, I can't do that on my own. Thank you, you forgave me like that. Lord, would you help me to forgive this person like that? And so we lean in and we walk this out and we grow and Jesus is glorified. God, guys, the fact that the church exists at all is like a miracle. I, I realize it's a mess out there and I think sometimes even the church gets unfairly bashed, okay? But, but we're imperfect people. It's a miracle that we can gather and love each other and be patient with each other. And thank God for his presence that enables us to do that. So one of the primary ways we build community here at Grace Chapel is we have life groups. They meet midweek. There, there are life groups that meet at different, different nights of the week in different places around Knoxville. And we're always growing them and adding them as needed. Um, we're at a unique moment because we usually pause a little bit in the summer. And so as we get into August, all of our life groups are getting ready to, to get started again. So if you're already in a life group, your life group leader, if they haven't already, will be reaching out to you soon to let you know when they're starting up within the next week or two. But if you're not in one, this is a great opportunity to jump into one. And so um, again, on our website, in our e-bulletin, you can sign up for that stuff. There's even little connection cards out there at that table when you first walk in. You can fill one of those out um, if you'd rather use a paper and a pen instead of your phone or a laptop. Um, and you can sign up to be a part of a life group. We'd love to get you plugged in. Um, so there we go. A couple more ways to encourage you to be involved, and then we'll wrap things up this morning. Um, I've, I've mentioned serving already. I just want to give you a taste of this. Um, there are some different ways that you can connect and serve in the body. 
um, our kids area I mentioned. Um, man, especially if you have a heart for kids, we are looking to equip people to kind of lead and teach a class. All of, all of our people who serve in kids ministry get opportunities to have a break and be in service. We build a schedule where people can rotate. There's people doing it a couple of times a month, people doing once a month, um, even just once or twice a quarter. Um, but it all makes a difference if you can participate in that. Um, there's also ways to serve where you can serve but not miss the service on Sunday morning. You can come early and help us set up, stick around later, help us put this stuff away. Um, you can be one of the people greeting and welcoming folks out there, getting the coffee ready, running the check-in table for the kids area. You can, you can be like our buddy Zach back there and learn how to run audio, or you could put the lyrics up on the screen behind us. Thank you, Zach, for what you do. Um, you can do things like that. And then listen, I can tell you right now, any leadership that you see in our church, it's not just what gets you into leadership, it's the way we continue in leadership, and that is service. We believe in servant leadership. Jesus taught it and modeled it. He, he in fact contrasted the way that he did ministry to how the world does. He says their leaders lord it over them. The people at the top get the benefits. He said, not so the least among you will be the servant. And Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And so guess what? I get up on Sunday mornings and help set up chairs and curtains and stuff. Like we, we serve. And so when you see people up here teaching, leading worship, you see people up here praying with folks, um, you, you'll meet our deacons and our elders over time. These are people who have served faithfully for a while and they're continuing to serve even in their leadership roles. And so that's, that's kind of the heartbeat of our church. Um, listen, if you're not willing to clean a toilet, you don't need to be preaching a sermon. We gotta be willing to get our hands dirty. All right, last thing. Um, I wanna talk about giving. Y'all know I don't talk about money a whole lot here, but I, it is important at times to just acknowledge that giving is a part of our worship, okay? We're, we're to do it joyfully, willingly. Giving is a part of worship. Um, we made a conscious decision when we planted the church um, not to build it into the worship gathering. And, you know, I don't think it's bad if churches do or don't, but, you know, there's so much just mixed messages the church sends around money and finances. There's ways that it's manipulated. There's false promises about how you're gonna prosper if you give, you know, or if you send in money, I'm gonna send a prayer hanky that you put under your bed and you're gonna get healed. And there's just a lot of weird ways money gets manipulated, all right? At the same time, we're called to give. And it's, it's really about being like God. It's, it's about being generous as he is generous. And it's about being good stewards. The act of tithing, first of all, it's throughout scripture, Old and New Testament. If you wanna make the argument there's not tithing in the, in the New Testament, the only real argument for that is some places in Acts where we see that everybody shared everything. So if you wanna go with that plan instead, by all means, go for it. Um, tithing, it's in the Old and the New Testament, but it's, it's a reminder that every single thing I have is not mine. It's his, it's a gift from him. My, my family, my home, my finances, it's a gift from him that I'm called to steward well. And one of the things he's asked me to do is give him 10% to tithe. Um, I practice this. 
I practice tithing. I get a paycheck from the church to be a pastor, but I still am just a dude making money and I turn around and I tithe. I believe in it. I believe God's called us to it. And so I would encourage you, again, back where I started, when you've settled into a church home, if that's your church home, God calls you to tithe. Now, I also want you to know a couple of things practically about here, okay? Um, our elders decide how we spend money here. And we have a treasurer and a couple of people who are in charge of counting the money and keeping up with it. And then we all decide together how to budget and spend our finances. But I just want you to know, I do not look at who tithes. It's a huge joy and relief for me to not worry about it. Also, if you're ever motivated to give because you think I'm gonna think bad of you if you don't, or you're gonna impress me if you do, sorry, I'm not gonna know. <laughs> but listen, it also enables me not to compromise preaching truth. You know, if there's like some big tither in the church and oh, that's a controversial topic, I don't know if they, they're gonna like where I stand on that. Listen, the best I know how, I'm gonna preach the truth of what the word of God says. And whatever the fallout is, is the fallout. We're gonna hold fast to the word. And so I don't know what you make. I don't know what you tithe. I don't know if you tithe. I'm just telling you the scripture calls us to do that. And it's an act of worship. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Um, the money goes to meet the needs of the church body. That's everything from staffing to just supporting ministry that we do here. Um, even just upkeep, paying rent here. And listen, ultimately we're believing for a church home, like a building and a home. And so we wanna save towards that end. We wanna be able to build towards budgeting towards that end. And so those are things. But beyond these walls, we give money out. We meet needs within the community. Um, we give money to the school. There's several local ministries here in town that we support. You'll hear about those over time as you're here. We talk about them. Um, there's several ministries here we support. And then ultimately we support foreign ministries as well. Several friends who are serving overseas. And so our giving, our tithing goes towards that. Listen, we should always be open to like things the Lord might lay on our heart personally to give towards, to support. And so the scripture uses the terminology of tithes and offerings. Tithes is kind of that steady commitment to give to the local church. And offering is above and beyond to, to give where the Lord might direct. All right, always fun to come to church and hear the pastor talk about money, isn't it? Y'all seem thrilled about it. <laughs> I, I am impressed by our kids. Like this was like half a sermon and half like a church business meeting. And you guys did so good. Kids, I'm so proud of you. Great job. Y'all are probably like, yeah, great. Can we go back to class next week? <laughs> yes, you can go back to class next week. All right. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we love you guys. Thanks for, thanks for sitting through this. You know, we try to do this in January every year. And then again, kind of late summer, early fall, back to school time, just to kind of touch base together and just be reminded of core things that we're anchored in. And so I would just encourage you with all of this, just consider if there's any action on your part that the Lord is calling you to. Um, if seriously, if it's about water baptism as an adult, as a child, whatever, consider that, pray through that, reach out to us if you have questions about it or if you wanna be baptized. Um, let us know if you wanna jump in and serve. I seriously wanna encourage you guys, if this is your church home, consider plugging into a life group. Man, they are just vital. My life is richly rewarded by the life group I'm in. I've been hugely blessed by it. I would encourage you to jump in and participate in that. Um, so there you go. If you have questions, let us know. Um, also, I meant to mention this earlier when I was talking about life groups. In the fall, 
um, we'll be opening up what we call foundations dinners. And my wife and I host for about three or four weeks in a row, a dinner at our house. And it's an opportunity for anybody kind of new to the church that wants to get, us know, get to know us better, is considering joining and becoming a part of it. Just come to our house, we'll have a meal together. Um, we share a few kind of core foundational things that we believe as a church, and it's just a great chance to get to know each other. And so be watching for that. We usually do that kind of September, October, somewhere in there. Um, and so you can see that coming soon too. All right, that seemed good. Did I cover all the stuff I was supposed to cover? You don't know, probably, sure. All right, well, why don't we pray and then we can get out of here. Lord, thank you so much um, for the family that you've placed us in. God, your, your church community worldwide. God, what an honor that as we're sitting here doing this this morning, there's like people in Mexico doing this right now, people in Canada. There were people a few hours ago doing this in Africa, Asia. God, how incredible that we're a part of your global family. Lord, thank you that you made us to have a, a right and loving relationship with you and you designed us to be in community with each other. Lord, I pray for every person that's in this room, people who will listen to this sermon later online. God, that you would just help us to see where you have us. If it's right here at Grace Chapel, Knoxville, Lord, help us to be anchored in this community. Being ministered to, yes, but also loving and serving each other. God, if there's another church home you're calling us to, Lord, would you help us to see where that is and how we can plug in and be a part of this beautiful thing even though it's messy and difficult at times. Lord, thank you that you've made us part of a body. You've brought us into a family. You've brought us into a community of believers. We're grateful for that. God, if there's any specific action steps you wanna invite us into, would you make that clear to us? May we faithfully walk it out in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen, amen.